What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks, Scott. I'm here today with Brad Glazer from Park Transporting. Thanks for joining us today, Brad. Good to be here, Mike. Today we're going to be talking about the freight and logistics business that Brad's been in for, I guess, over 10 years now. Actually, longer than that. It's going on 13, 14 years now. Good. Okay. What we're going to do now now is tell everyone who's going to be coming up next on the show. Tomorrow we have a, a special program, and you'll have to tune in to see who it is. Next week, we're going to, on Thursday, we're going to have Greg Johnson, from Johnson Resource Group. They're a high-end recruiting company. And on Friday, the 11th of January, we're going to have Al Conscious, who's a real estate developer and, and office building owner. He owns a company called Conscious Enterprises and has been active in the nonprofit world and nonprofit board world. And the following week, on the 17th, we're going to have Christina Flanagan from the Flanagan Law Firm. Okay, let's uh, talk about what's going to happen next week here and for the following four Mondays. We're going to be running a new Sandler program, relatively new, about a year old, uh, called Networking Works. This is a program that will run Monday mornings from 8 to 10 a.m. That will teach you how to build stronger relationships, how to turn networking into strategic partnerships, and how to figure out where you should be doing your networking, how to make that networking time productive. Um, I know I've heard a lot of people say uh, certain networking groups aren't effective because they don't have enough people. But we're going to talk about how to build a 30-second commercial and how to make your networking effective. Uh, this program is free for said President's Club, Sandler President's Club members. Uh, you need a reservation, make that with Carmen. If... Uh, you're not a President's Club member and you do a lot of networking to develop business and you want to find out how much it's going to cost, uh, call Carmen at 513-753-9400, extension 106. Okay. The next 
announcement is the Sandler Client Summit 2013. This is going to be February 14th and 15th in Orlando, Florida. It's going to be held at the Buena Vista Palace Resort and Spa, which is across the street from Disney. The title of the program is going to be No Guts, No Gain. How to Get Tougher. I think 2013 is going to be a year that we got to get tougher. And this program is open to all Sandler clients. You can register online. The uh, cost of the program is $500. And uh, the, I don't know if I should say, say the words keynote speaker, but one of the unusual programs that we're going to have is a fellow named Brian Frank, who is the head of global sales for LinkedIn. He's going to share with, with us LinkedIn's strategy of how they use their own platform to expand their brand and increase market share. So if you're increasing, you want to increase your brand or increase market share, uh, make sure you're there for the client summit in Orlando. Couldn't be a better place to go, Brad, during uh, February in Cincinnati, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's much better than having a sandwich conference in Baltimore. Uh, let's uh, see. We have one more program that we've got to announce. That's the... Sandler one-day cold call camp that we're going to do here in Cincinnati. Uh, this is for salespeople for, and sales teams who are struggling with cold calling issues. They can't get by the gatekeeper. They're having pro, they're having trouble getting prospect engaged in a meaningful conversation. Uh, they get stuck in the voicemail jail without a way out. Well, they feel the voicemail isn't effective. Uh, if you're upset because cold calls aren't effective for you, then you need to attend. The cost of this program for non-presidents club members is $595. It's a uh, all-day program. It includes uh, materials, and uh, there are team discounts available. Mention you uh, heard this uh, when you call Carmen, the 5753-9400, in the 5.3 area code, extension 106, and you'll get a $50 discount. Okay. Now let's talk a little bit about about Brad Glazer. Brad uh, was born and raised in New Orleans, Louisiana. And you know, Brad, I don't hear much of a southern accent, on you? People don't realize in New Orleans we don't have southern accents. It's Closer to yours, New York, Brooklyn, Bronx. Well, French. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Brad worked up here in Cincinnati from the time he was 24 years of age to the time he was 37. Uh, working on projects uh, in Cincinnati, uh, like building shopping centers and apartment complexes. He met his wife, Susan, uh, here in Cincinnati, and they they decided to live in New Orleans for nine years. Then they moved back to uh, Cincinnati. Uh, Brad and Susan have five children aged uh, 13 to 27. Um, Brad had a friend in New Orleans, was a freight broker, and asked Brad to call on a, a company for him here in Cincinnati. When he was calling on one of the companies, he started making calls on other companies that needed freight, discovered that it was a, a good business. And uh, so another friend in Louisiana uh, suggested that he become a agent for a large freight company, which Brad did. 
did that for a couple of years, Brad. Yeah. And, and then uh, sold the freight business uh, to somebody else, and he started his own company called Park Transport, which he still owns and operates today. Uh, Brad and his wife Susan are active in many civic and charitable organizations here in Cincinnati. He is a uh, member of the board of the American Jewish Committee and the Jewish Education for Every Person uh, group. Uh, in 1992, he won the Israeli Peace Medal. Uh, he's been on the board of directors of the this is in New Orleans Metropolitan Crime Commission. Did that for about five, six years, and then you were a uh, advisory board member of Parents Anonymous and uh, board member, advisory board member of the Jewish National Fund in Cincinnati. And the other significant one is Brad was a director of a bank for 20 years, a publicly held bank. If you're comfortable telling everyone the name, we'll find that on LinkedIn. No, the name of the bank was Guarantee Savings Bank. Um, about a year and a half ago in the summer, we sold to another bank in Louisiana, Home Bank Corp. Okay. Uh, Brad... Uh, is currently a member of the Downtown Cincinnati Rotary Club. Uh, he's president uh, of the Loyola University of New Orleans uh, Council. Uh, I was on the President's Council. The President's Council. Okay. I, was, I was never a president of a university. Not yet, anyway. Okay. I'm not sure you want that job. <laughs> and he's been a member of various uh, boards of directors. Um, Brad? Uh, why don't you uh, uh, tell our listeners a little bit more about Park Transport and what it is that you do and specialize in? Okay, we call ourselves a logistics company. We're also a freight brokerage company. The technical term would be a property broker as compared to somebody that moves, uh, if, you're, if you're moving your house, a moving company. So we do a lot of industrial freight. We stick with the full truckloads. Our trucks come, they get loaded, they go to where they're going, and they unload. We will go out, we'll get customers who need to ship their merchandise or products, and we contract with various trucking companies all over the United States to carry their freight. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and you had park transport since? Oh, approximately, I think it was 2003 we started park transport. Okay. And uh, how is it that you go to market? Do you have salespeople? Do you have sales agents? How does that work? How do you find your business? We used to do everything in-house. We had in-house dispatchers. We had a couple of salespeople, and I did a lot of sales. Um, when I started, I would take a Harris Industrial Directory and just make calls, 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 and more calls. Lots of calls. One of the tricks I learned a long time ago was start at the Z's and work your way backwards. Everybody starts at the A's, and the people in the A's, B's, and C's are sick of hearing from salespeople. Mm -hmm. The ones in the Z's never get called. Right. And I make a lot of calls, make notes from each one, follow up with them if they seem like they might be a prospect, and stay on them. It take, it's a long sales cycle. Everybody shipping freight already has people they're dealing with. They're not automatically going to start dealing with you. But you got to be there. 
or as Mike would say, top of mind awareness. You've got to stay in touch with them so when they have a problem, they call you, and hopefully you can deliver for them. Mm-hmm. Why, well, why do people uh, buy from Park Transit? Boy. For a small company, um, you talk to the same person over and over. He knows your business. He's always available to you. It's not like calling an 800 number where you don't know who you're going to get with a large company. We like to think we have a high level of integrity. We treat our customers right, and they enjoy dealing with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people talk about their unique marketing advantage, the one thing that sets them apart from their competition. Have you uh, delineated that for Park? It's a hard thing to delineate in our business since we're selling basically a commodity. I mean, the market sets the price. They just have to like dealing with us. They have to like the way we treat them. We never lie to them. If we can buy a truck cheaper than we quoted, we'll automatically lower their price. They don't have to worry about being taken advantage of. If there's a problem, we take care of it right away. No questions asked. We don't hem and haw. That's what I call old-fashioned honesty, Brad, and I think a lot of people are looking for that today. Well, it's kind of tough because we're competing against people who aren't so honest. For instance... Not to use any real names. No, I'm not going to use any names. I'm going to say, for instance, what will happen is a company will say, can you get me a truck to pick up this load of freight? Mm -hmm. And in order to get it, they'll say, yeah, I got a truck. I got it covered for you, when they don't. Whereas we'll say, we'll look for it. Give us an hour to find one. We never say we have a truck when we don't. What I've never understood with some of these companies is they'll go back to the same person over and over. When the truck never shows up, they'll keep using them because they may be $10 cheaper, and I've never understood that. But a lot of them understand it, and they come to trust us, and they know we're going to tell them the truth. And not that we don't have any problems. I mean, occasionally a truck will break down, but not often. Okay. So honesty and trust. Right. That's real important. People do business with people who they like and trust. Um, do you have uh, sales people or sales agents now? Right now, we have all independent agents. Okay, 1099 type guys. Yeah, but they all have their own businesses. Um, one of the advantages of being an agent for Park Transport is we are a smaller company. If you go with a large company, every time you want to get a customer and you check, sorry, somebody else has that account already. Hmm. We rarely run into that. The other thing is all these other companies require you to sign a non-compete. So if you leave, you basically have to sit out of the business for a year, which means you're out of the business. Right. In our case, we don't require that. Okay. If, if we can't do what needs to be done to keep an agent happy, well, that's our fault. I understand. That's a that's a great marketing thing. What I think we'll do uh, here, Brad, is take a uh, a short break, and we'll be back after listening to a couple of words. Uh, from a fellow named uh, Tom Manning. Tom is putting on a marketing program uh, at the end of the first quarter in 2013 that I think uh, everyone needs to give some serious consideration for. So here's my conversation, the first part of the conversation with Tom. This is Mike Roth with Tom Manning. We're talking about your marketing and sales boot camp that you're going to be running in April and May. And the name of the program is? It's called Engage 2013. Engage 2013. And you're going to be running it in Columbus and in Cincinnati. 
Correct. It's going to be Tuesday mornings for six weeks in Columbus and Wednesday mornings for six weeks in Cincinnati. Okay. And if a company sends their CEO, the CEO comes and he's bringing a chief marketing officer, what would they be getting by attending your program? Well, the first thing we try to do is we try to get the company to develop a story. Figure out what their key messages are, what the value proposition is, and come up with their company's story. From that, we can actually look at all your marketing materials to be sure they're telling the same story. All your marketing and sales materials. So does your website match your brochures, match your email campaign, and all of your branding? Does it tell the same message? Okay. Does it really have to match? It really does, because what it does is it creates a consistency in the eyes of the end customer or the end user of your products and services. If you're you talking about user or prospect here. Well, it depends what your industry is. If you're B2C, it's going to be your customers, mm-hmm. and it's going to be what your customer sees with your company. Right. If you have different messages, you're actually causing customer confusion. If you're B2B, it's going to be you and the other businesses, and you're going to be trying to capture market share. And so are you consistent as to what your message is and how you define yourself in the marketplace? Mm-hmm. And why should someone attend? So what we'll do is we're going to, over the course of six weeks, we're going to help you um, define your, your key messages and your company's story. And then from that, we're going to help you develop a marketing strategy and a sales strategy and perhaps a social media strategy that helps coordinate all of that. So people will be consistent at the end. Correct. We're going to actually look at everything from your logo and your corporate identity. Does it match that key messages? Your website, are the messages on your website consistent? Your brochure, your sales presentations, your PowerPoint presentations, your proposal system, your email campaign, your trade show. And naturally, your selling system. And, of course, your selling system as well. Tom, if someone is interested in finding out more, either speaking to you or speaking to you personally, how should they do that? There's two ways. One, you could go to marketleaders.us. Um, that's the website for Engage 2013. You can learn all about the sessions there and the speakers and the time frame and, and uh, registration. Or you can call me directly if you have any questions that aren't answered there, and you can reach me at 614-622-1047. Thanks, Tom. In future weeks, we'll be hearing more from Tom about the Engage Marketing and Sales 2013. I'm back with Brad Glazer. Brad has agreed to take calls. The call-in number is 646-595-4916. Brad, if they want to get a hold of you after the show, what telephone number should they dial to reach you directly? My direct telephone number is 513-936-4801. 513-936-4801. And if they want to send you an email or we'll look at your website? The website is www.parktransport.com. www.parktransport.com. My email is brad, B-R-A-D, at glazer, G-L-A-Z-E-R, dot net, brad at glazer, dot net. Okay, Brad, as you look at the marketplace, what do you think the obstacles to growth are for the freight logistics business? I would say the biggest obstacles to growth are getting good people, good, for me, it would be good independent agents. 
that's always been a big obstacle. For an agent who's good, he could pretty much write his own ticket anywhere. Mm-hmm. In my case, I have to be more competitive. I have to pay higher commissions. I don't require him to be an exclusive agent to park transport like most companies are requiring today. And those are the advantages I have. So paying higher commissions and, and no non-compete it seems to be a big competitive advantage for a uh, independent sales rep. Very big. Uh, they're more than independent sales reps. These guys have an agency just like you would go to your insurance agent to mm-hmm. buy insurance. Uh, some of these guys have their own company. They have their own company. They have their own people working for them. So it, for them, it's a good economic decision. Very good. And the fact that I don't limit them to park transport, I'll let them represent somebody else if they want to. Are all of your agents here in the Cincinnati metro, or are they scattered all over the country? I've had them scattered all over the country. Right now, they're all in the Cincinnati area. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, what do you think the outlook looks like for in terms of opportunities and possibilities in your business freight logistics? For the company or for the individuals coming into it? Let's take them. We're talking about the the individuals or companies coming in. Let's talk about them first and then go to the whole industry in general. It's a tough business. I think it's tough because most people don't want to do what it takes to succeed in this business. I would say a large majority of people go to work for a company and six months to a year later, they're out of the business. But when you talk to them individually, well, they didn't want to work past 4 o'clock. They didn't want to stay up till 7 to talk to their California customers. They didn't feel like making as many calls as they needed to make. So if someone in the, in the freight logistics business, you would recommend that they make how many calls per day? You start off with a goal of 125 calls. Mm-hmm. If you have no business, then you're going to be able to make about 125 calls. When you start getting some business, that's going to take away from the time you have to make calls, obviously, to handle a business. Sure, sure. Uh, one of the things that we're, that we're doing on the regular Sandler President's Club calendar is reviewing the audios of salespeople making calls so that we can improve their call script flow and make sure they find all the pain points that the prospect might have. That's been uh, exceptionally helpful for some people. Probably not going to work in the logistics business. Never. (laughs) (laughs) Now tell us about the outlook and possibilities for the industry as a whole. Do you think the the amount of freight moved in the country is going to go up or down or stay in about the same as it's been? I can't predict the future. I know in 2012... Uh, freight tonnage has risen. Uh, there's a shortage of drivers right now, but new truck sales are down about 15% over what they were in 2011. It's getting to the point where companies are going to have to replace old equipment with new equipment that's more fuel efficient. And you're talking about big rigs here. Right. That's all we deal with is big rigs. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this alternate fuel to some of the big rigs companies are uh, or trying to push where they're going to have uh, either liquid uh, natural gas, liquefied natural gas. The natural gas seems to be the most promising, and it's really starting to catch on. They've got a lot of engines being made that use natural gas. They're efficient. 
they don't cost much more than any other engine. And we have so much natural gas in the United States that we won't be depending on foreign, foreign oil. I guess I saw a map the other day that showed uh, liquefied natural gas at uh, Flying J and several of the other uh, truck stops that proliferate along the interstate highway system. Do you think that's going to cause a widespread acceptance of natural gas in the, in the trucking industry and independent truckers who buy their own rigs? Well, it's already accepted. As people replace their rigs, a very high proportion of them are going with the natural gas. Mm-hmm. What kind of a fuel differential is there for the driver going for natural gas as opposed to diesel? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I know it's better, but I don't know the numbers. Do they get good gas, good mileage out of natural gas, the same as diesel? Oh, better. Oh, really? Oh, but, well, it's hard to... I guess they'll get more miles per dollar spent on fuel. You can't really equate it to miles per gallon yet. I mean, diesel's a liquid. Gas is a gas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen reports where there's about a $2 a gallon differential between uh, natural gas and uh, diesel. I haven't seen those numbers. Um, it's hard to put a number on it because natural gas is sold by the pound. It's sold by the pound, even at the fueling stations. Well, maybe not. I haven't been to a fueling station to look, but from what I read, it sells by the pound. Okay. Um, One of the best things about what I do is I don't own any trucks. So, again, the audience, could you explain exactly what you do if you don't own the trucks? We will go out and have our customers that move freight. And we'll say, all right, we need a, we need a truck to go from San Antonio, Texas, Los Angeles, California. We'll quote him a rate generally approximated based on our experience and what we know is going on in the market at that time. And we'll, then we'll go out and we'll call one of our carriers that we use all the time. If we can't find one, we go out to the load boards, which... Uh-huh. We, so, uh, I'm not from the trucking industry. What's a load board? Most people are familiar in real estate with the multi-list service. If, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. if a house is for sale, it goes on every agent's computer saying it's available. Correct. The load boards are a similar thing for freight. If we have that load, we post it on a load board. By the same token, if a truck is empty and looking for freight, he can post it on there and say, hey, I'm in California and I'd like to go to Florida. So how many different load boards are there? In my opinion, there are only two major ones and a lot, a lot of minor ones, some of them specific to certain industries. Okay. But we only use those when we can't find the truck that we know and we deal with. Okay, so you truck, you attempting to use the same truckers to move loads first. Always. We have a relationship with them. We know them. We know their reliability. But a lot of times, they're not available for us. Mm-hmm. Might be on the other side of the country right now. Sure. What do you think your your customers are looking for most? Price. It's <laughs> like be- most like most customers. Now they not only do they want the price, they want the reliability, the defendability, integrity. They want on time pickup, on time arrival, and they want their freight to arrive in good condition. That's a tall order. Very tall. But we do it. Good. Uh Again, Brad is open for questions. The number is 
595-4916. We'll be back in about two minutes. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. You've heard our commercials about sales and sales management, but you haven't made the call for some reason. Maybe you're having your best year ever. Maybe you think a sales development company won't work in your industry. You're different. I wish I had a nickel for every time I heard that. Maybe you're afraid that if you called, you'd buy something. If you're happy with all your sales and profits and believe you have all the answers or simply don't see yourself investing in yourself or your people, then don't make the call. We have nothing for you. For over 20 years, we've been coaching, mentoring, business owners, and sales professionals who are serious about their careers. So if you believe that Sandler Sales Training might make you better, faster, meaner, and stronger, call me at 513-646-6523 or register for our next open house. Roth & Associates, the most experienced sales trainer in Cincinnati. You can check us at www.rothconsulting.net. Imagine you just left your prospect's office and he now has your proposal, quote, or estimate. What do you suppose he's going to do with that valuable information that you just gave him for free? Call you tomorrow with an order? Get real! He's shopping it around to the competition. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Roth & Associates. I'm the most experienced sales trainer in Cincinnati. I'm constantly amazed how salespeople operate. They believe a prospect asking for a proposal means the sale is as good as closed. Face it, trained prospects will turn you into an unpaid consultant. For over 20 years, we've been coaching, training, and challenging professionals who are 100% committed to long-term sales growth and profitability, no matter what it takes. If you're deadly serious about increasing sales, call me at 513-646-6523. Find out how Sandler Training can make you better, faster, and stronger. Or register now for our next open house, 513-646-6523. This is Mike Roth, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Brad Glazer from Park Transport. Brad, uh, are you using the Internet now to attract prospects? Uh, No, not at all. That's not really how our business works. Our business is more of a one-on-one personal business. We do have our website, but its primary purpose is to be able to be looked up, and we have a section with forms and downloads. So our customers and our carriers can download the forms they may need from us. Okay, so someone can't look on your website and see if you have a truck available to go from Cincinnati to Los Angeles. No, but the trucks can look on our website and see what freight we have available for trucks. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Just go under the available loads tab. Mm-hmm. But that's jumping up and down all day. It's changing constantly. So do you have a, a, a web person handling that, or is that automatic when someone, someone gets a load that needs to be moved? Well, who are, whichever agent gets it has to actually post it. It's very easy to post. When it goes out to our load boards, it also goes to our website. I see. Brad, uh, one of my favorite questions, and I like to ask CEOs like you who have had a lot of experience and you can answer this question from the Park Transportation Company or from one of your other companies. Uh, can you tell it? Uh, we have a theory of operation that simple solutions to complex problems are invariably wrong. Therefore, if you're going to solve a complex problem, you need to use an equally complex solution. So perhaps you could share a complex problem 
that you devised a complex solution for uh, that other people might be able to use in their in their businesses. I don't know that we have any complex problems in our business. Most of the problems we have is a driver not showing up, truck breaks down, or the driver does show up, and the person receiving the freight doesn't have his people there to unload it or doesn't have his equipment to unload it. Those are the most complicated problems we have. Mm-hmm. Did you have any complicated problems in a prior business? Well, in real estate development? Yeah. Oh, man. It was nothing but complex problems. Everything was a problem. Everything was an issue. Everything was paperwork, building inspectors, zoning, city planners, financing. So just just as an aside, uh, today it was announced that the uh, dealer group from uh, Cleveland was going to attempt to build a Mercedes-Benz dealership on the side of the old drawbridge in northern Kentucky. And they bought the property pending uh, zoning approval from the local city. You think that's going to happen? Well, I don't know the area, and I don't know the local officials. I think it would be a good thing. It's always a good thing to have some commercial development. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sure nobody wants a car dealership right in the middle of their residential neighborhood. Mm. used to be a hotel. Well, then I don't foresee a problem. But you never know. You don't know what the politics are there. So you think it's politics? Well, it's always politics. What else would it be? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and how have you solved political problems in the past? Just dogging your way through them, hiring the right people, the people with connections, the people. You got to have people who can get you access to the politician. Everybody wants to see the politician about something, so it's hard to get through to the right guy. The important thing is having the access, mm-hmm. and that doesn't always work either. Sometimes we'd go house to house in the neighborhood, talking to the neighbors before going for a zoning change. If you get the neighborhood groups behind you, you have a better shot at getting it. Mm-hmm. And how did you convince neighbors about zoning? You basically talk to them, host little lunches with them, ask them what they'd like to see there. You get their input. You let them know that you're actually listening to their input and seeing what they would like to see. Mm-hmm. So did you ever uh, change what was in the development project to meet the needs of the neighbors? Different times, yes. Not always. Sometimes. I mean, it depends what it is. If it's a crackpot idea, you're not going to do it. Of course. You wouldn't want to do a crackpot idea. But you want to get the neighbors involved. You want to convince them uh, as to why the project is good for their area. Mm-hmm. you got to show them the advantages. And, again, we do have Brad agreeing to... Take some calls, so if you want to call in, the last opportunity will happen in a couple of minutes when we go to commercial. The number is 646-595-4916. Fred, you've been on a lot of boards, both for-profit at the bank and charitable boards, run your, your own company a couple of times. Maybe you can give our, our listeners a leadership tip. One of the things I've noticed on boards is you'll have seven successful business people on a board. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to a board decision, for some reason, they don't do anything like the, the way they would do it in their own business, and I've never understood why. I don't know if they're intimidated by the CEO that the board hires, 
I mean, in my opinion, you never put a CEO on a board. He's just a, he's an employee of the board. And you gotta keep those things separate. But a lot of boards don't do that. And they get controlled by their own CEO. And when that happens, look at all the problems we've had in the past 10 years with some of these big corporations. Every one of them had the CEO who was also chairman of the board. He handpicked his board members and that's the wrong way to do it. Because? Well, he's supposed to be working for the board. The board is the representative of the stockholders. And a lot of people lose sight of that. A lot of board members lose sight of that. It's their responsibility. So these uh, public companies or the CEOs are on the board of directors. It's not as good as a company, did you think, where the CEO serves the board? Well, I can't say that about every company. Mm -hmm. But I can say the opportunity is there for the CEO to be running the board. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. One of the things I noticed on the board is we were held accountable for things which were, frankly, pretty dumb. It didn't make a difference. But the big things that boards should be held accountable for by the government, they aren't. For instance? You get a little shareholder complaint, and it blows into a big thing, and it really means nothing. But when board members are totally shirking their duties and not controlling the business and the CEO and not properly running the stockholders, it's nothing seems to happen there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a good leadership tip. The CEO should not be on the board of directors. That's my opinion, although it happens too often. Mm-hmm. How about in a smaller family-held company? Well, yeah, he's going to be on the board. He'll have to be because of the size of the company. A family, small family-held business has its own set of problems, totally different than a large corporation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were involved in a family business down in New Orleans. For a short time. Mm-hmm. Okay. However, the family was me and my dad. We didn't have other partners or other family members. So it was a lot easier. Okay. And what business were you in? Well, my father was uh, a steel distributor for many years. Uh, the industry term would be metal service center. Mm-hmm. So I spent a little time there helping him out. Mm-hmm. What, what were some of the things that you uh, built or provided parts for? Well, we, we supplied a lot of metal. Down in Louisiana, there's a lot of boat building, ship building. So we supplied a lot of plates for barges. We supplied structural steel for barges, some buildings, sheet metal mm-hmm. um, for different manu- little manufacturing companies down there. Okay. Brad, we're going to take a, a short commercial break here. We'll be back again if you have a question for Brad. This will be the last opportunity, uh, 646-595-4916. This is Mike Roth with Sandler Training, finding power and reinforcement. Are you tired of prospects saying, I want to think it over? Are you tired of being an unpaid consultant? Call me at 513-646-6523. On the web at RothConsulting.net. This message is short and to the point. In business, you don't get paid for what you know. You get paid for what you sell. Yet many salespeople leave their skills to chance. They often think, let me think it over. They write proposals that go nowhere. They lower their price to get the order. They wind up chasing prospects through the voicemail maze. It doesn't have to be that way. The best salespeople were not born great. They learned it. I'm Mike Roth of Roth & Associates. 
We're famous for our expensive, difficult sales training. We're not for everyone. We build the best sales prospectors and sales negotiators on the planet. Are you in sales? Are you ready to get deadly serious about your career that feeds your family? Are you ready to make a change? Call me, Mike Roth, at 513-646-6523. Sandler's most experienced trainer in Cincinnati, 646-6523. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. Many salespeople tell us business was really easy. They likened it to gathering fruit in an orchard full of ripe trees. They gathered the low-hanging fruit. They had to get baskets to pick up the fruit that was already fallen. They never had to climb a tree. They worked this way for 10 or 15 years. Given the strong economy, this was no problem. What are you hearing now? The economy has slowed down. Salespeople are competing on price. There's still business now, but salespeople have to work harder. The fruit has not fallen from the tree, and there's no low-hanging fruit. The fruit is there, but it's higher up in the tree. The problem is, their salespeople have forgotten how to climb. Do your salespeople know how to climb? If you or your team needs to learn how to climb through and up out of tough economic times, call me, Mike Raw, at 513-646-6523, or check our website at rothconsulting.net. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Brad Glazer from Park Transport. Brad, does your company have a uh, strategic long-term planning process in place? Uh, no, we don't. I think you'll find most small businesses. Mm-hmm. I've been involved with, well, the bank, of course, and I've done joint ventures with very large developers, and they all have it. I think when you get a very large company, you need it to control what's going on. In a small business, our strategic planning is make as many sales calls as you can and get as much business as you can. To make payroll next Friday. Yep, you got it. Mm-hmm. So in, in companies where you've been, did the metalworking company that you worked in with your dad have strategic long-term plans? No, never. Just took whatever order came in the front door? Well, you had to guess what the market was going to be uh, with your purchasing decisions. That business, the buying was more important than the selling since steel is a commodity. Mm-hmm. And um, in the trucking business, strategically, what's the most important thing as, as a great broker? Yeah. Make lots of calls, follow up, treat your customers right, treat your vendors right. That's where a lot of people make the mistake. Well, tell, tell everyone what, what you mean by treat them right. Well... If somebody's a supplier to you and you're buying from them, mm-hmm. a lot of times the person doing the buying tends to feel they can abuse you. They says, well, he's getting my business. I can treat him any way I want to treat him. And in a lot of cases, it's true if you're willing to put up with it. But I found by treating the people who supply us, and that includes our trucks, by treating them right, they're more likely to work with us. We have better relationships. When we're in a bind, one of them will go the extra mile for us. So, so what does treating them right actually mean in, in your world? Be nice. Be nice. Both to your vendors and your customers. Mm-hmm. Don't take your customers for granted. I notice a lot of people that get some business, and all, the only time they talk to the guys is when they have business. Mm-hmm. The only time they call them is when he doesn't call with business, they call and get more, which is important. But why not stay in touch with them? Develop a relationship. Become his friend. I've made more friends through business than I have in any other way. Mm-hmm. As far as your vendors, I mean, if somebody's supplying a product or a service to you, 
You know, don't abuse them. Don't say to yourself, well, I'm the customer here, and I can make him jump through hoops. I can lie to him. I can hold back his payment because he's lucky to have my business. That's what you don't want to do. Okay, so you uh, pay people on time. Always. Whatever. Fast. Fast. If we can't pay for it, we don't buy it. Mm -hmm. That's fair. Uh, Just out of curiosity, uh, Bob Reedy was on here on the show a couple of months ago, and he talked about moving his B-17 from the Blue Ash Airport down to New Orleans, <laughs> where you're from. And they had to disassemble the aircraft because it was not flight-worthy. And they moved it by a truck. Right. Now, you weren't involved in that deal, were you? No, I wasn't, but I've been involved in some big stuff. Mm-hmm. What's the biggest thing you've ever been involved in in transport? A very large tank. Uh, some kind of tank for some kind of liquid. I don't know what it was. It was so big, there was no truck big enough to handle it. So what we had to do was weld axles onto it and tires and turn the whole tank into a trailer. And then with stuff that big, it's called specialized hauling or heavy haul. You have to have some carriers that really know what they're doing there. For instance, if you were going to drive it in a car, it might be 500 miles. But for this thing to be routed so it can get under all the bridges, through all the tunnels, or avoid the tunnels, it may have to go 1,500 or 2,000 miles. Really? So it's more expensive to move something that's way oversized. Very, very expensive. Mm -hmm. How about specialized uh, loads of things like uh, flat screen TVs? You better have a lot of insurance. (laughs) And the company shipping them better have a lot of insurance. That's not that difficult to move. Well, now they don't weigh that much each, but you put, you know, a couple hundred of them in a truck. Well, you can only put up the, the weight of the truck with the, the weight, weight the limit. Truck, the weight limit, yeah, with the truck to carry. I'd say the most expensive thing we've ever moved um, were jet engines. Jet engines you could get on a truck? Well, the small ones, yeah. Well, yeah, you can always get them on a truck, but these were smaller ones, but they were very, very expensive. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole different animal. For instance, you don't just load it in a truck. It's on a, it's on a, they're on dollies. They roll into the truck. They're suspended with ropes between. Mm-hmm. And do the trucks have to have special uh, suspension? No, no. Well, you'll see written on the side of some trucks or some trailers, air ride. What the heck does that mean? Oh, they have air shocks to make it a softer ride so it doesn't bounce around a lot. A lot. But what you'll find nowadays is every trailer is air ride, even if it doesn't say so. Well, I'm sure you got some 30-year-old trailers that are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about uh, perishable loads? You, you handle those? Yeah, we do a lot of those, and I don't like them. I mean, everything is so particular. As an example, once it's loaded, there's a thermometer that's put inside of the truck to monitor the temperature over the whole time. That thermometer is sent to us by the driver because the shipper requires it to make sure it never got above a certain temperature. I mean, if the truck breaks down, you better find another tractor to come pull it right away before all the stuff spoils. So does the, the, the tractor have a uh, compressor that's running off the engine of the truck, or is it running off its own motor? No, the trailer, uh, or as we call it, a reefer, a refrigerated trailer. They generally have their own motor. 
Oh, generally that meant something else in certain people in certain sections of the yeah. population. I mean, we do a lot of it. it, it it's good freight to have, mm-hmm. um, but you've got to be real careful. You can't make any mistakes. The mistake would be? Some driver forgets to turn on the reefer. The reefer breaks and he doesn't know it. Uh, he's late, decides to stop off at his girlfriend's house for a night. You lose a load of bananas or, or beef. Well, bananas are okay. It's the frozen chicken that's the problem. Frozen chicken. Well, the fresh chicken, that's even worse. I mean, it's, it's pretty smelly. <laughs> uh, do you move uh, loads of fresh produce as well? Uh, yep, during the right season, we move a lot of it. This area corn? No, we've never moved corn from this area. Really? Well, we've got specialized carriers that are moving it all for the ethanol industry right now. That's a totally different animal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's tough to do that kind of stuff. Uh, we don't do anything bulk. Bulk would be like gravel, sand, liquid, ears of corn that aren't crated or boxed. We have a client that, that moves uh, bulk material like sand, gravel. Yes, we don't do that. For a reason. Yeah, it's not our business. I mean, we can't get into everything. We can only do the things that we know how to do and that we feel we're good at. That's a full-loaded truck. It's a full-loaded truck, but it's a different industry. There's just a different everything about it, and we don't understand it. And if we don't understand it, we don't do it. Okay. What's the most complicated load that you move? I'd say that tank I was telling you about. Mm Mm-hmm. How long did it take to construct the tank into a truck? A couple of days. I mean, there's a lot of labor that goes into a lot of expense. And when it gets on the other end, it has yeah. to be cut apart. Yeah. But that's what it takes to move it. The tanks are so expensive, you know, that doesn't amount to a lot. So is that the, that's the tank manufacturing company here on Spring Grove Avenue? Uh, no, it isn't. Uh, if you ran into another prospect that had tanks that they wanted to move, would you pass on that job or take it? Oh, no, no, we'll always take it. But we have carriers carriers we work with that have the capacity to do it. Mm-hmm. But you have to go. It's going to be a more expensive move, and you've got to make sure you go to guys that do this all the time. Hmm. What kind of premium is associated with that kind of oversight? And I've seen them on the road all the time. You know, there's two trucks in the front, the guys in cars with sticks that are pointing up so they can touch the, the bottoms of the bridges, and, and two guys in the back, and then a cop, a police car trailing them or leading them. What is a, a specialized load like that cost to move? Well, it's expensive. I mean, each state has different rules. You need different permits for each state. They have different requirements. I mean, all this has to be done and planned out in, in advance. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I could give you a percentage premium, but I can tell you it really adds to the cost, sometimes tripling, quadrupling the cost, maybe more. It, it all depends. Everything's different. All the routes are different. The loads are different. The requirements are different. I would imagine the profit margins must be much better in that kind of uh uh, specialized uh, load environment? Mm, the margin isn't necessarily any better. The volume and the cost is better. And if we're getting a certain return or a certain margin on a truck, that's what we're going to get on the whole load. However, in those cases, we don't get it on the whole load. Generally, a lot of the extras are passed through at what they cost. We don't have any markup on those. So those would be called in the business accessorials. Okay. 
for instance, a fuel surcharge. If we were to pay a fuel surcharge, mm-hmm. 100% of that goes to the truck. Because the truck pays it at the pump. Yeah, strictly a pass-through. Speaking of that, trucks and pumps, do you guys advance the truckers the cost of the fuel? A lot of the big carriers will advance their trucks the cost of the fuel. Some brokers will. We don't. And we've lost loads because of that. We've lost the ability to get trucks because of that. How do you overcome that? Well, you don't. You just don't do it. You just don't deal with those trucks. The risk is too high. Too many people get in trouble. They advance the truck. The truck disappears. Maybe a guy wants to make a big score before getting out of the business. Mm. The big carriers will generally carriers will generally advance about 30 to 35 percent of the value of the load for fuel. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, is there a difference between brokers and carriers and, and insurance that the uh, freight shipper would have that carry? Well, there's a couple of things there, and it's a complicated area. Um, when we book a load with a carrier, it's our responsibility to make sure the carrier is licensed properly. And when I say carrier, I mean trucking company. Mm-hmm. That the carrier is licensed. Um, you check their safety rating to make sure they're legitimate. We check, we check everything we can on the DOT website. In addition, the carriers have to carry insurance. We'll make sure they have insurance. We'll verify it in the, with the insurance agent who we will call independently. We won't call any number they give us. If we can't locate that insurance agency on the internet, we don't use the truck. So the freight is running under the carrier's insurance. Like any business, it's a good idea for any customer, any shipper, as we call them, to carry their own insurance. And if something happens, a couple reasons. They want to make sure they're covered if something happens with the carrier's insurance. And also by having their own insurance, they can go to their insurance company because it is much easier for their insurance company to deal with the carrier's insurance company than it is for them or us to deal directly with the carrier. So if I was shipping something fragile like uh, glass? You would insure it yourself. But if you were a legitimate business, you'd have your insurance anyway. It would be covered. As far as brokers carrying insurance, we don't need it, but we carry it. Let's say we'll carry our own cargo insurance because a lot of our customers require us to have it. If they only knew, it doesn't do anything. It literally does not do anything. How could insurance not do anything? It doesn't. It's cargo insurance, but it doesn't cover this, it doesn't cover that. Because the truck insurance has covered it. Oh, it's got exceptions. It's got every exception in the world. Uh, Most people, I guess it would cover you in certain circumstances, but we're running under the truck's insurance, and the freight is running under the truck's insurance. Mm. So, um, so we carry it to make our customers who want us to carry it happy. But they don't realize it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't do anything in the real world. No. Like the... Uh, the for, for instance, the last thing that happened, a driver had a load of, I think it was blueberries. He disappeared with them. And he kept calling for a fuel advance, which we don't do. But he disappeared with the blueberries. Never called. We turned over to our insurance company. They don't do anything. They say, well... That was theft. You turned it over to them, you this, you that, they just took it. Wow. But, but his insurance would cover it. The shipper's insurance. Yeah. Well, of course, uh, his insurance company didn't have the police out looking for him. Sure. I guess the blueberries must have tasted really good. 
Well, if it's a $50,000 load of blueberries and goes to a store and sells them for 25000 the store made a good deal. Yeah, that, and blueberries don't have serial numbers. Yep. <laughs> That's good. Brad, we're going to have to wrap up here in a minute or so. Uh, I want to thank you for sharing some uh, great logistics stories with us on, on the air. And I'll be giving you a copy of Sandler's new book, The uh, 11 Sandler Insights, uh, which came out in uh, April of last year and promptly jumped to the number one position on Amazon. Uh, that book is still available. And later this year, a new audio version of the book will be available. Uh, one more thing that Sandler President's Club members may be interested in is uh, Sandler certification. That will be uh, formally announced at the uh, client summit in February. And become certified in using the Sandler selling system, uh, which will help them in their careers. Brad, again, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Mike. I enjoyed it. Good. Scott, why don't you uh, take it away? Thanks for listening. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at Mike Roth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.